Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. It's 16. I was, nice. well, that's kind of a six. <laughs> There's a six in there, oh, so yeah. remember, remember our goal. Yeah, yeah. We were gonna summon Did a demon. Did that get cut in the last? I don't remember what I leave in <laughs> and what I end up cutting out. I may have cut it out, but yes, dear listeners, if I did. We were going to, if this had been a six, it would have been our third six in a row. And a demon would have come and been our, <laughs> our, our special our guest, guest for the day. Host. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's probably just the cat will show up. So Aww. we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so it's been literally a minute since we've all <laughs> seen each other. Good to be back so soon. Oh my gosh. I haven't slept since. So <laughs> this should be interesting for all of us. You're really bringing the uh, the drama with you. Mm-hmm. And they don't waste any time. We're hopping back in together. They hop right in with Duck, who is headed off to the Green Bank radio yes. telescope. Using the company vehicle like a yeah. champ. You make those suckers pay for that gas. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't you don't you try to sketch or just skateboard yourself <laughs> all the way there? I do love that he mentioned the skateboard. Like, are you going to roll there? No, I guess you might take a vehicle. <laughs> Duck does know how to drive. For a moment, I wondered if he did. Because I didn't recall him I mean, ever fair. being in a car. I think maybe in the very beginning he had driven, but... He could have borrowed Leo's car. I assume Leo has a car. <laughs> Let's make a list make of everybody he could have borrowed. <laughs> he could have Barclay's borrowed Mama's car. car. Barclay's car. Do Mama and Barclay <laughs> share Barclay a car? Drive? Oh, yeah, he, he can. Dad drives all the time. He's got to take the kids uh, to practice. Agent Stern for sure has a car. Yeah. Oh, we're going to get to Agent Stern. Let's get to this. Stern. Okay, so I will Mr. say... Stern. <laughs> all the stations going quiet as you approach the radio telescope is... Such great, oh. like, low-key horror flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked that, too. Just unnerving enough. We're reenacting. This is it. This is the reality <laughs> of the it. The silence that suddenly what happens. What station uh, do you think Duck was listening to? Oh, Power 99. <laughs> I like it. Top top 40. <laughs> My experience with the AM stations in Kentucky and West Virginia is that you are probably listening to some kind of bluegrass or country or possibly a preacher of some variety regardless of the day or time. Okay. That's that's pretty much your options. Got it. See, without knowing that there was only so many options, I figured he would be <laughs> listening to, like, the alt station that plays, like, the alt 90s jams. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But mm-hmm. I don't know if he'd pick that up. That seems like the kind of music he'd be into. Or twist. Mm-hmm. Like, the newest, raddest hip-hop tunes there are. <laughs> Just, he knows that Just station. blasting it. He's got it. He's got his Kendrick. He's got Post Malone going. He knows all of them. Well, whatever he was listening to doesn't really matter because it's, he's not listening to it anymore because <laughs> it's gone this silent. telescope <laughs> is so powerful he can't even take the car any farther. Uh, yeah. So That's bananas. Right. So it sounds like the it's almost like a big circle around this huge yes. telescope. Which, even before Travis suggested it, I was like, I gotta look up a picture of this thing. Oh, yeah. And it is. It's so wild. Once anybody mentions huge, like... Yeah. That's your jam. Immensely huge. I'm all, I'm, I'm, I'm immediately in on it. I'm like, let me You're check there. this out. My golly. And I'm just so happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very big. It's it's if For anybody who has not looked at pictures of it, or it's hard to tell scale sometimes, it's taller than the Statue of Liberty. It what? is a very big telescope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Girl. Apparently the locals the locals uh, say that it's it, the Green Bank Telescope would be GBT, but they talk about it as great big thing instead of <laughs> Green Bank Telescope. <laughs> oh, I love that. Which I thought was very clever. I support that. Mm-hmm. That's cute. Oh, I have a question. Yeah. All right. So in regards to this just amazing telescope, which, mm-hmm. yeah, if I ever find myself in West Virginia, God, road trip definitely going to run over and take myself a gander because mm-hmm. how could I not? They're talking about this this perimeter. So as Duck pulls up mm-hmm. and he's talking to Fargo, <laughs> who's just immediately <laughs> wonderful, and he brings up this amazing lie, which is per Duck, is just... Where? Why? How? How? It will never not be funny hearing him Oh my golly. It's so good. So a wounded rabbit bear might be in there and he's got to check it out. And then Fargo goes on to tell us like, well, you know, there's this perimeter that's covered with barbed wire. So again, I ask, how did Ned get out? 
I'm telling you, Did this he is burrow? why he looked so raggedy. Just <laughs> just awful pigpen esque when he was in that meeting. <laughs> well, he <laughs> says later he had a long coat on, so barbed wire typically tilts one one angle or the other depending on whether you're trying to keep stuff out or in and if you're trying to keep stuff out then it tilts outward so you could throw your coat over the barbed wire and get over it that way sounds like somebody you know a lot about this (laughs) yeah i I do not have experience climbing barbed wire fences and always does seem to carry a big coat with her. She wasn't I've at the premiere of Tall Man, she insists. <laughs> she hasn't ever had to escape a building that was ringed by barbed wire fence, she insists. However, <laughs> all right, I like that. I totally dig Ned Chicane scaling it, knowing, because he would know. He, he would for know. sure would know this kind of stuff. That so. is true. I'm down. So he does get in with this terrible lie about this bear that somehow is apparently maybe in within the scope of this telescope let's hop right over to him getting to this statue memorial what it wasn't clear before he got close to it but it's apparently a memorial Mm -hmm. right it apparently looks like a pile of junk but when you get closer like oh that's on purpose (laughs) i love that they memorialize the collapse (laughs) of it and not like this is what it looked like before the collapse is like this was the pile of shit we found the next day (laughs) Let us always remember. And it was on November 15th, 1988. And here's the bananas thing. This is real. Wait, I was looking up the pictures, because of course, and as I'm looking up pictures, I see roll big November 15th, 1988. And at first I was like, even the day? Did a fan already make this (laughs) shit? And I was like, no, this was posted five months ago. And then I continued to dig and I found something that was made three years ago talking about aliens. Did aliens zap the Green Bank telescope that fell on November 15th, 1988? I was like, ah, oh my God. So yeah, I... I went into quite the spiral. <laughs> I had to pause everything. Like, the podcast, a student came in to talk to me. I was like, I can't talk right now. There's aliens. And they're like, what? And I was like, just don't. And, yeah. So, this is what I found. A 300-foot radio telescope collapsed November 15th at 9.46 p.m. on a clear night with no strong winds. It collapsed under its own weight when one of four gusset plates failed, which were found to have not been engineered to last the 26 years the telescope had stood. Wow. So, like, that, it was the little, it was the gigantic telescope that could. Like, it lasted longer than anyone really thought it would when they looked at the gussets. But I love that it was a bunch of scientists that were like, it was aliens. (laughs) It was for sure aliens. Because they couldn't imagine. Yeah. Oh, they want them so bad. They want that to be the answer. And who can blame them? Right. In fairness, that is currently one of the primary missions of the Green Bank Telescope. It is, in fact, looking for alien signals. That's not the only thing it does in deep space. But it is is part of that that effort, yeah. We got to get to this telescope. So that is wild. So obviously Griffin did his homework when plotting out this storyline in choosing these dates. How crazy would it be if it just oh coincidence? God. You know, it would be a great day, <laughs> November 15th. Yeah, no, I'm saying he's But it is well, the year like, specifically is what I mean. Yeah, because the year has come up yeah, before, yeah, yeah. correct? Yeah. Right, that was when the gate opened. Yeah, so clearly, I, I mean, he must have looked it up. I mean, he, he knew that the Green Bank Telescope was going to figure at some point in the story, surely, because... I don't know why he would have set it in the radio quiet zone otherwise. I mean, aside from the convenience of of not letting people have cell phones, because that is um, Uh the kind of genre TV argument is like most of the X-Files wouldn't work if people had just had reliable cell phones. Uh Um, You know what? That's fair. Yeah. So so I think I think it was largely from that. But surely he would have done his homework on the telescope at that point in time, too, or, or sometime not long after, even not sure how he was going to incorporate it. That does make sense. Yeah. So it's definitely not a coincidence. And just to add on, just to make sure everyone's aware, that is also the same date that Eugene gave for being abducted by aliens. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I knew we had, like, just heard that date, the November mm-hmm. 15th specifically. We're adding a bunch of red pieces of string to our board. Oh. Right. Everything's getting connected now. This Pepe Silvia board, it is going into the next wall. <laughs> It's attached to the murder and board. Barclay, it's wipe that egg wall. off your face because aliens are coming in. They're coming in hard. You wipe that egg off your face and you write aliens back on the board. <laughs> Stop trying to rub it off with your shoulder. Stop it. 
Well, we also get another like weird random piece of information that maybe isn't important, but maybe is that that as Duck mm-hmm. is approaching the telescope, oh, yeah. that Griffin says that he's getting this weird, oh, yeah. weird headache. Like I, so I wrote down the wording because I was like, this seems strange. This is such a specific description. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The headache is like deflation, but that he also feels charged up the closer he gets to it. I was like, right. hmm, this seems important. I don't know how yet, but it does seem important. Remind me, Anne. Was it charged up like, I'm, I'm going to zap the next thing I touch charged? Or was it charged like, I've got all the energy in the world, let's run I assume he meant charged. like energy to run a marathon charged based on the way that he worded it. Okay. I figured that too. And of course, it makes me think, and I'm sure you girls and our listeners as well, is this something to do with then a frequency he was possibly getting from Minerva specifically? Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, is this somehow yeah. tapping back into the power he used to be able to feed off of? Is his, is his superpower just being able to hear aliens in his fillings? Is it just that? Yet. I don't know. <laughs> is that wormhole in his brain getting bigger? Oh, right. Uh-oh. I forgot that was the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. Gotta watch that. Uh, keep an eye on that. Get duck at MRI at some (laughs) point. No kidding. All of you need to take better care of yourselves. Jeez. So, (laughs) does he get to the building yet in this one, or is he? Does yeah? No, this is when he meets. um, He gets to the building and is stopped by a scientist. Unsurprisingly, kind of wondering why he's wandering around. Naturally, and she remembers him from high school. (laughs) Yes, there's there's a few things I want to say. About this Sarah Drake, which, first of all, a duck is technically a drake, as he is a fully matured male duck. So, LOL on that. Also, like, this girl for sure had a crush on him. Are you kidding me? She was so into that baked out boy. Oh, yeah, we were partners once. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God. He was probably, like, the cool kid. He skateboards, and he broke into the, the... the furniture department store. store one time and oh he's so high all the time you look into those bloodshot eyes and you're like duck newton <laughs> boy to get well it was a small town you know the and things also- are not maybe <laughs> oh yeah but he did sound like yeah he was a bad boy you wouldn't be like oh am i going to get like, in yeah, like irreparable in real trouble, trouble yeah. if I hang out. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the cool kind yeah. of rebellion. Yeah. That's, that's like just enough to feel dangerous. I exactly. feel like, yeah, he was just kind of just the charming stoner who's not, yeah, not threatening. Right. But just kind of fun to be around. Exactly and like, that. oh, every so often in class, he'll throw out these funny quips. And they're like, yeah. And he'll try to lie. And they're like, God, that duck is so funny. <laughs> and so. Sure. 10 years down the line or however many years. Also. Then he shows up, takes off his hat, and I thought you died, just because she hasn't seen him. Like, is that... I forgot that's what she that first said, and I'm like, well, shit, Duck Newton, alive. Who'd have figured? <laughs> Who would have thought? After all that bullshit. I'm really curious about what the rumor him. was about how he died. So I... she sort of implies multiple people have, have believed this and have been telling other people. I'm going to guess whatever it is, he started it. Like, he just said something dumb to be funny once, and it just spread around, and now a bunch of people think Duck is dead. Probably to get out of, like, jury duty he accidentally or something when he death. was 18. <laughs> he, he's so bad at lying. So maybe, yeah, it happened, and instead of trying to solve it, he's like, I'm just going to let this ride, spiral see in. what happens. <laughs> so we move over to Aubrey, and I must say, as she's looking for, she's left Janelle, she's looking for the lodge where Ned had been taken, in the movie version of this moment, the ghost of Ned is definitely, like, appearing as Aubrey's <laughs> remembering what he said about the lodge, what it looked like. It's just just a hazy image of him. Or just Ned in a sheet. That's... Or just him in a sheet. I like this oh. even more. That's one of my favorite 80s aesthetics for movies. It's not really done anymore. That, yeah. The, the disembodied ghost. Opaque, like, the... <laughs> disembodied head of a person <laughs> reminding Hovering you over the shoulder yeah. of someone like reading a script and <laughs> saying it exactly again i know we've been talking about it a lot i just watched the outsiders yes and that happens oh my god <laughs> i was like Does, is it johnny so yeah little ralph macchio just talking and then it would like cut to scenes of matt dillon being a goof <laughs> and then cut back to Ralph Macchio all the while Pony Boy is just reading the letter. It's like, God, oh, yes. <laughs> cinematic genius. 
<laughs> Thank you for this gift. And I don't know why we don't do it anymore. Can't imagine. <laughs> Can't think of a single good reason. We're bringing it back right now. <laughs> it's such a good, useful way to tell a story. <laughs> so we really know who's talking mm-hmm. or who, who left that message. <laughs> so that's the imagery here. And, and it's enough to make her find she finds the Ingle Nook Hotel. Mm-hmm. And she stopped before she can break in by fucking Eugene, <laughs> who was the guy we brought up last yes. week. Yeah, I can't believe we, we were talking about him and then he, he returned. Girls were so good at this. Right? I guess we were on the right, the right track. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. We are good at this. I'm proud of us. Me too. And he's bringing up the aliens. Um, I do like that when he saw, because he's kind of warning Aubrey, and I like that uh, the options for him seeing flashes inside this uh, rotted out hotel is either either A, teens taking selfies, or B, aliens. Like, those are your two. It's one of the two. Either way, Aubrey, don't go in there. It's got to be one of the two. Yeah. What if it's alien teens taking selfies? Oh, oh, even more dangerous. Combo them all up. Yeah. Well, so we were on the right track, but we did forget an important detail, I admit, that Clint remembered that Eugene has a dog named Braxton. I love that he remembers. And I thought that Braxton was dead. It's when he had, like, he had Braxton when he got... When he was abducted. Uh, oh, so I guess that would make 80s. sense. Did he have a second Braxton? I don't Did know. Did he have many Braxton? That does make sense that he just keeps having dogs that he names Braxton. Because I re-listened to that part, because one, it is very funny listening to that music happen again. Mm -hmm. And two, like, yeah, I'm trying to, like, gosh, there's so much that's coming back now. I do need to, like, do my research and check in. And he for sure said, old Braxton gone to heaven now, but then Uh, I didn't listen far enough to see if he got a new dog named Braxton. (laughs) Apparently he did, because he is walking him. Well, maybe Clint's just just hopeful. Fair enough. Okay, so maybe Clint didn't remember something that was particularly relevant because he didn't remember that the dog is dead, but he did remember the existence of the dog. Exactly. So, you know, credit (laughs) for that. Oh, and he he may be right. Right now, I put my stock in Clint. He is... Paying the most attention and pulling out, pulling out all the stops and remembering those wacko details. That like, oh wow, why, why would that be remembered? Because he's he's got it going I am, on. Right I am now. impressed. So, I believe I believe in Clint. I want a pin that says I believe in Clint McElroy. <laughs> Let's do that. I think Clint McElroy would probably strongly support that. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure about his sons, but he would definitely support that. <laughs> they just have to deal with it. Right. We, I guess we need Clint as a guest host because he clearly remembers some of the details that we may not. I would love My Clint gosh. as a guest host. I think I he would, would give anything. He'd be a perfect guest host. This is our formal mm-hmm. invitation. Come be on the show. Dear Mr. McElroy. <laughs> he is remembering so much, though. I feel like, and we've mentioned it on this show before, but I feel like this game really is Clint's element. Like, he's finding... Yeah his ground here in amnesty like really well yeah i mean i think you know he's had a lot more time to get used to the role-playing concept at this point which i I don't know if people have completely given him credit for that like just because he didn't know what he was doing in the beginning kind of none of them did Yeah. yeah so you know and i think he has he has really taken to it incredibly well um, Absolutely. He, you know, I'm so it's nice to be able to give him some credit for that and some credit for his apparently superior note taking skills. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, you just think about even the, just the differences in games. You know, D and D does have a lot of rules yes. and a lot of mechanics to try to remember, and this one being so much um, improv and thinking on your toes mm-hmm. and just keeping note of things. He's yeah, he's really killing it. Yeah, I mean that's an important thing I think with tabletop gaming in general that whatever system needs to be the system that's good for you and for the people that you're mm-hmm. playing with, you know, mm-hmm. so and that there's not necessarily there's not a one size fits all this is the best way to do this. Uh there's just sort of the one that suits you. And this does seem yeah. to be a more comfortable space for him to play in than than D&D was. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And sometimes it lets you do things like use your magical coolness to kick open doors. <laughs> All three of them at once. (laughs) So then we smash cut, as we tend to do in this game, Mm -hmm. um, to Ned going to the bank, going to apparently the fifth second bank of Kepler. I got very (laughs) lost and confused. The second Methodist bank. (laughs) The second Methodist bank, Our Lady of Money. And he goes and he finds Penn the Teller and 
they've got their keys. I do picture Ned just storming to the bank, yeah. all frustrated and jilted. Like, oh, yeah. the way that it was being laid out to us, I was like, oh, I picture this very cool. Yeah, it's a perfect mm-hmm. scene transition, honestly. So you get, like, Aubrey about to kick in the doors. Those doors fly open, but yeah. it's Ned slamming into the bank. That's perfect! <laughs> if you were shooting this as a movie. This movie is awesome! This movie's so great. <laughs> we use that 80s ghost technique. We're using this really dope, edited, smash cut. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. So he smashes into the bank and he wants his stuff. Pen the teller, take us there. Oh, he's wonderful. <laughs> I, th- he's my new favorite character in the show, I think. <laughs> I like the way Griffin played this one, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot of fun. And I feel like Ned has a feeling that nothing's going to be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, you by the time he there. saw that it had already been signed for by him, but not in his handwriting. Oh, right, right, right. right. Oh, a bad start. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'll be like, that's not good, or that's not a good sign. <laughs> uh, Pen doesn't <no>. care. <laughs> Pen's the best. He takes him in, and of course, yes, it's empty. And not only was Griffin having fun with a pen, but him playing pen on the phone, I just, it, what a good moment. I, I liked that. I think he did a good job with it. <laughs> yeah, initially I was kind of like, why did Ned want him to call the manager? And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, he's a boomer. Of course he wants to speak to the manager. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, that's what he knows to do. <laughs> yeah, and he does get an important piece of information from that call, which is uh-huh. he confirms that the person who came in and took the stuff out of the box was him. him. And not just him, but wearing the same things he was wearing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Except uh-huh. for the scarf. So clever of him to ask that. So this did actually end up playing out really well mm-hmm. and getting confirmation. So obviously the monster copied Ned, took the stuff, copied Boyd, and then I wrote here, where's the stuff? Which obviously later we find out. Mm-hmm. where it is but in this moment yeah. it was like what are we even doing right i did i had to play like where was the monster at what time like who was he yeah what order did this all mm-hmm. fall into because yeah and here's a new question oof. i have when the mm-hmm. monster is changing between people does it sometimes keep the different clothes just to like have a little bit of fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> Was it Ned Chicane then, like, for a little bit running around in Boyd's clothes? It could be fun. I could only hope. Yeah, I was trying to figure out the timeline. How did the monster know what he was going to wear that day? Yeah. Because because he couldn't have come to the bank to take stuff after he had talked to Ned, because Ned went straight there. So it had to have been before. Yeah. When did he get the scarf? Has it been the same day? No, that was the day before. Okay. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he lost it after the monster took him from the morgue. So, yeah. It would have been the previous day. So, and then if this monster signed in earlier today as Ned. Clearly, the, this plan is a complicated one. Maybe he's somebody else, too. Yeah. You know what? What if he was just watching him through another rift? Right. Hmm. Yeah, also possible. He's super creepy. Just, like, peeking. Or if he was Mama at the meeting. Yeah, right. also possible. Mm-hmm. Although that was also post green bank so he wouldn't have had the scarf and it seems like he the the creature would not have gotten that that detail wrong wait what what? wasn't the he if he lost the if he lost the scarf yeah before he went to green bank and then the meeting with mama was after that if mama was the monster the monster would have known that that ned had lost his scarf the monster knows he lost his scarf anyway, because he has it. The monster's being cheeky. He wants Ned to know. Uh, yeah, I, I think, Brittany, where you're going I is... really think the monster <laughs> wants him to know. Like, Maybe, this, yeah. I actually talk about this later, that he is... He's got... Or, sorry, now I'm gendering the monster. It keeps <laughs> taking the form of men. I can't be blamed, unless it's mama, sure. which maybe it is. But This it, monster can't be confined by gender. That is true. But yeah, I think that it is that the monster's like, I'm going to do this. It knows Ned's head. It knows that he will ask these questions, that he is very detail-oriented and aware of things, and that it's probably going to come up. He's going to go and see that there's nothing there. He sees the name. He knows it's been there. Exactly. And now, yeah, he probably has a good idea of what happened to our, our dear Boyd. (laughs) <laughs> I almost started talking about Boyd, but we do jump again. You know, I feel like this one is a little hard to keep track of only because they jumped around so much. 
I actually go on a little rant at this point and I highlighted it and put possibly unpopular opinion, but like this is this is pretty much the only reason I am not super fond of this gameplay is that they're separated so much. Mm. And what I really loved about Balance was that if they were together and goofing together and building everything together, and this for sure has a place. And it's not to say I'm not mm-hmm. enjoying it a lot because clearly I am, but if I were to say like the reason I would hope they don't go this dynamic again, it's because, yeah, they're all kind of doing their own thing a whole bunch. Yeah. yeah, It splits off a lot. I mean, I, I, it's only, like, confusing for me from a commentary standpoint because, I mean, like, the only reason I was interested in the scarf is that exactly. you have to piece back together which things were happening concurrently and which things weren't. So, like, trying to determine the order that things happened in can sometimes be an important Mm -hmm. story element when you're talking about there being this, like, overarching plot from the bad guy, like, trying to figure out what was going on. Right. Those are those things where that virtual murder board would really come in handy. Yeah. Uh, But for now, we have to try to keep it straight ourselves. (laughs) Right now, we got to go back over to Sarah and Duck. And I will say this. I appreciate that Amnesty taking place in a small town feels like a small mm-hmm. town like with residents having these histories together uh, like i know it's like convenient storytelling but it totally yeah. fits it fits this setting it doesn't feel like we're cheating no no it does make sense and it, and it certainly tracks that you would run into somebody that you knew when you were much younger and hadn't yeah. seen in a long time and how that might affect the dynamic yeah <laughs> right she thought mm-hmm. you were dead <laughs> and it helps too to have those pre-established relationships so that when duck starts the lying again sarah can just cut him off and be like just don't come on we know you are just really really bad at this poor duck (laughs) what's going on and to duck's credit like i think he then feels comfortable enough with her to be like okay here's the situation i had a dream and you know what what are the possibilities of this thing ever shooting out a laser beam essentially (laughs) It's a person yeah. he knows. It's a person they had science together. She knows he's not, like, up to something necessarily. He's just genuinely curious. Oh, how does this thing work? Could it do this thing that I saw in my dream? Oh, poor duck. What if he is actually working on a screenplay and that wasn't a lie? <laughs> I hope he is. And I hope that that movie has some uh, some ghost 80s effect memory in it. <laughs> and if he is, hopefully he's learning a lot here as his friend Sarah is showing him around the... um. The Mm -hmm. workings of this telescope laboratory. Yeah. Taking notes, drawing schematics. Yeah. And that's not what the telescope does. So he doesn't get any information on that, but he does get another interesting piece of information. Yeah. When she tells him that they have this, this like hall of fame of weird things, (laughs) including a nebula that looks like Dennis Farina is so specific. (laughs) I I want that. I want to see an artist rendition of that so much. Yes. Show me Dennis Farina and the stars. <laughs> <laughs> and these sounds, the first one being like the baseball game, it's neat because you can like hear it. You can picture uh-huh. it. Mm-hmm. And then this other one, first of all, the label Interstellar Blues sounds like a Cowboy Bebop episode. It does. Yes. And then when you actually hear the music, it also sounds like it would play in a Cowboy Bebop episode. <laughs> That's my takeaway on Interstellar Blues. <laughs> but I'm so glad they brought this up. Because I was literally, like, again, when I was going back to the older episodes and Mm re-listening, they were playing this. I was like, gosh, they never explained that. We need to remember Uh to bring this up. And I was like, ah, here it is. Thank you. Thank you, Griffin, for reading my notes, you creeper. Mm -hmm. Total creep, uh, Griffin. (laughs) Griffin also has riffs. He's just opening, like, are they enjoying (laughs) my party? (laughs) He's always checking. He's very concerned. We are. Don't worry about it. Griffin, go. <laughs> so um, this is this is the music that would play as he was talking to Minerva. Yeah. I assume that that date, that August 2nd, 1990, when the telescope picks it up, is that the same date that Duck first saw Minerva? Ooh. I don't know if they actually gave a date for that, but time-wise, that could track. It might be a little too early. I was trying to figure the, figure the math in my head. Uh, but I think it's about I right. I think it would work, because yeah. they talked about it. It's been like 20 years. Yeah. Well, I that's that's been like 30. Oh, 30. Just oh, hi. If you want to turn to Ash Bailey, on this call. I'm bad at math. <laughs> I still think the 90s were like 10 years ago. God, it should have been. Can, we'll just skip some of the 2000s. Some of those weren't any good anyway. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think that that tracks pretty well with uh, about Duck's age and about the first time he saw Minerva. So I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that that was 
the intent there that that was her first appearance. And even then still is, so are, are we maybe thinking because like the sounds of the baseball game are something that you would guess just came from earth and are like ricocheting back. Do we think it's the same with these blues? Yeah. I, I think that was the, that was the concept that it was an old signal that has gotten to a point in space where it could be picked up because you're just sending these signals right out into yeah. space mm-hmm. and they just keep going. So if you point your telescope at the right point, yeah, that they could potentially bounce off and of something and come back. So I think it was maybe, so we're not really sure exactly how Minerva communicates. So it could be a coincidence that it's kind of like crossed wires that if she's trying to send a signal and this other signal is in the way that you'd get both of them at the same time. Mm. It could be that she's using this bounce signal as like a carrier wave. Yeah. Um, which is kind of more the way that I'm leaning. I don't. I don't That's know that we need to worry thinking. too yeah. much about the science, but um, <laughs> but I mean, I think that is that is part of the story. Uh, trying to figure out exactly how this works. Yeah, but we won't know yet. I guess. <laughs> I think we're going to find out something significant with when we find out what exactly the deal is with this dream and this beam of light. But that's not not yet. Mm-hmm. We'll see you later, space cowboy. Now we're back to Aubrey. Back to Aubrey. Uh, she finds herself in the conference room of this lodge. Only now there aren't rifts everywhere. Yeah, they're gone. But there is a silver orb. Yeah, which stands out and make that makes sense. Because even, even if you imagine, like, even if Ned didn't say for certain, like, there was nothing on the table, you walk into this, like, dusty old broken down hotel, and then there's this, I would guess it sounds like a, like a clean little silver orb placed yeah. on the table it seems like well if it isn't dusty if it doesn't look like it's been here for a while it's not something mm-hmm. the proprietors left yes we'll just leave this here and get it later there's no room <laughs> in the u-haul let's go <laughs> not for that it's gotta stay does she walk close to it and it like attacks she, her like a tiny well truck? i mean she basically yeah because she and and of course there's always an is always an interesting question of what would have happened if Travis had not gotten a bad role using the third True. eye mm-hmm. uh but yeah. In in the bad roll, Aubrey gets too close and trips some kind of alarm, and it basically functions like a flashbang grenade. Like, it just yeah. lights up the room and, and temporarily blinds her and then smacks her as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably knocks some of the air out of her, I would yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My goodness. And the, the way that it's like then, because then, of course, she runs, smart girl. Mm-hmm. The way it's chasing her, um, I just pictured Fanto, that flying mask from Super Mario 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that. See, and I, the first time I listened to it, I was, of course, like, half listening. And then I had to, like, keep her wanting. It was like, pay attention. Listen to what's actually happening. Because the yeah. first time... I'm, and I I blame Clint, actually, because he started mm-hmm. playing or singing Pinball Wizard. So <laughs> I'm did. seeing a pinball, big, 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 like chasing after us. Oh, I'm like, oh, like, yeah, run up the stairs and not imagining a floating orb attacking <laughs> her. So then, like, the second or probably third, because I'm still listening to Pinball Wizard in my head, mm-hmm. yeah. I finally was like, okay, it's floating. Okay, yeah, this is way scarier. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of thinking about Phantasm. There's a there's a silver orb in Phantasm. It has like oh, little yeah, yeah. things, but yeah, I was thinking about that. I think mentally. So oh, as soon yeah. as as soon as uh, Griffin said there was an orb, I was like, oh, do not mess with that thing. No, <laughs> Bad idea. Never. You pulled Phantasm. I pulled Fanto. Very funny. Uh, Brittany <laughs> pictured a pinball. Griffin pulled a little bit from Home Alone. <laughs> she got paint canned <laughs> with this thing on the stairs. And yeah. she's taking some damage from this. Like, this is I'm bad. so glad she yeah. has that vest. Me My too. Golly. Yeah. Girl. Although even then. Right. Even then. She's taking these hits. She ends up getting a piece of desk or whatever. It like, was from a coffee table. Yeah. A coffee table. Yeah. Lodged into her leg. I was getting genuinely concerned with, like, these bad rolls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this thing continually coming after her. But how good is this visual. I'm loving this idea that Aubrey surprises herself with her sudden lightning ability when yeah. like, mm-hmm. Trav levels up just in time to get yeah. this ability and stop this thing in its tracks. That is some Hollywood shit, and I love it. It was a good scene. Like, I, I was definitely able to imagine this really well, that, you know, she's trying to get to the stairs, and this thing, mm-hmm. like, bowls her over and, and smashes her action movie style through a coffee table, which... People often in movies do without getting impaled by anything, which tends to be kind of a surprise. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like that was a, a realistic way to 
to make this harm happen. And I and yeah. I did like uh, I did like the idea of yeah, okay, you're alone with this unstable energy, but uh, injury, but it's gotten you to the point where you get to level up into this really cool thing and just like explode this orb with this lightning attack. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you play enough games, we've all had something similar to this moment happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're on the brink, mm-hmm. think you got nothing left to nothing give, left. and then suddenly. Suddenly, you level up in the middle of that battle, and it turns out you can beat Sephiroth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, where are we? Well, and, and Aubrey being this super badass, even though she is currently suffering an unstable injury, mm-hmm. uh, she still goes to investigate the office. She's still got a job to do. Yeah, where because she hasn't completed what she came there to do. Mm-hmm. I love um, it. And she finds this magical murder board <laughs> hanging in space, which is super cool, and I want one. Absolutely. It's too bad it's not real. (laughs) That's a damn murder board, she says when she sees it. She's like, I gotta tell Barclay about this. He's not gonna believe it. (laughs) She pulls out her disposable camera because she doesn't have a phone. Mm -hmm. Takes a few pics. Gets a couple angles. I really hope it shows up. None of that, like when you would try to take a picture of your TV back when you had like the two TVs. And it's like, oh, great. It's just black with kind of a bar of color on it. Mm-hmm. So she gets, she snaps a couple pics, and she we see then what's on this murder board. And, oh, there are photos of her and her dear friends, Ned and Duck. And there are dossiers on all of them. There are other stuff on the board, but this is the part that's really important. There are dossiers <laughs> on all of them. And all of these f- photos are apparently autographed by Agent Stern. Excuse me. Yeah, this raises a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Uh-huh. Is Agent Stern the monster? Has he been the monster I'm, the whole time? That was my wonder. Yeah, you certainly have to wonder. Oh, I didn't even put that together until now. I Although thought maybe the... he ate him. <laughs> but then the question, yeah, I mean, that that honestly, so we still don't, do we know for sure whether the person that Ned encountered was Boyd? Because it might not have been. So we don't know who he was dupli- who the monster was duplicating at that point in time. So it's possible that Agent Stern was Agent Stern up until some point, and we may or may not have seen them as the monster yet. We don't know. It does seem like it would be weird if you were the monster, right? And uh-huh. you come to town posing as this agent. Yeah. That you would bother to fill out the paperwork. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why you would do the paperwork. Like it seems like there has tape. to have been a real a real FBI agent here at some point, if not still. I'm thinking they're too deep in. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe it's Agent Stern has been real. Yeah. But somehow either he's working with whatever this clearly intelligent being is. Yeah. Like if he's I don't know. Like I'm, but I'm willing to bet Agent Stern, the man himself, the man, mm-hmm. the myth, the legend, is actually a human person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible that the monster has just been posing as his boss or something and taking reports this whole time. Oh, um, something like yeah. that. Like Diane. maybe not even stealing them, but huh. yeah. And 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 especially because Stern is a useful person to have alive because Stern is the one who from the human side has been concerned that that monsters are killing people. Yeah. Which seems to be pretty integral to this this creature's plan, uh-huh. which is clearly a very detailed, very well thought out one because this is a whole lot of research. It's not oh just the dossiers. There's a whole lot of mm-hmm. research and thinking that's been going into this plan. Right. Cuz what else is up on this magical murder board? Uh, newspaper articles about recent disasters, which right. I assume is like at other attacks. Blaming um, Mothman. Articles about the telescope, a <laughs> uh, flyer for the cryptonomica, a map of the telescope, uh, an article about the collapse of the telescope, mm-hmm. which is interesting mm-hmm. considering it happened in 88. Yeah. So uh-huh. there must be something important related to that that uh-huh. we don't know about yet. So yeah, a lot here. I don't know if I've had enough time to ruminate with it and come up with, do you girls ever do this? Yeah. Like, after we record this show, and then you're thinking more about it, and you're like, oh, shoot, I just came up with a mm-hmm. really good idea. But it's too <laughs> late. We've already recorded the show. Right. I wonder if I wonder if we're all going to have little moments like that throughout this. Maybe, These yeah. next few days. Because, yeah, for now, I don't, there's nothing that's coming through clearly enough that I can start to formulate a theory beyond the one I just had mm-hmm. off the top of my head that, like, 
Agent Stern is a person who's possibly working yeah. with whatever this is. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have a lot of time to sit with this new information, and neither does Aubrey, because we go straight into more new information about this plan. Because she grabs some of these pieces of information, I think it was specifically the dossiers on them, and is going to leave, and suddenly there's a rift open again in the conference room on the right. way out. Right. I was just listening to you so intently, like, what happens next? <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> and take me there. Yes. It's a rift to the cryptonomica. Yes. Mm-hmm. The currently closed cryptonomica. Her dear friend's shop. And I think I like that, like, would you hop in, do you think? Um, you know what? I don't think like I would. Like, knowing have. what makes the rifts. Exactly. And I, I yeah. feel like Travis even talked about this. Like, Aubrey knows who, like, that the bomb bomb makes the rifts. She's going to jump in there. And yeah. obviously it takes her yeah. to a place that she's comfortable but also, like, golly, she's hurt. She's very hurt. She's yeah. hurt and bad. I, I wish it had opened a rift to a hospital. <laughs> that would have been a better move. I mean, Aubrey was already solo investigating the building and had gone into the building where they knew the monster's headquarters was. So, you know, not necessarily queen of, of non-impulsive decisions. Right. Aubrey. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, it totally tracks with her character. It does. That I don't know that anyone else would have done that, but Aubrey would right. have. And apparently Travis would have, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, I would have. I think I would have been very hesitant, unless there was something chasing me. Sure. I feel like I would go out the way I came. Yeah. Just because, gosh, what are you going to run into? Right. I feel like you would figure this thing is trying to lead me somewhere specifically. Uh-huh. I don't want to play into uh-huh. its hand. We know it's very smart. Well, I, I guess they don't know that. Um, and also, you have now precious information that you want to mm-hmm. take yeah. to somebody else. That is true. That the information does need to get to her compatriots. Yeah. So I feel like I, I would have been like, not today. But not Aubrey. But not she Aubrey. She dives on in. She lives life on the edge. And she goes, and Billy's not here, which is kind of funny. Where does that boy go? <laughs> what does he get up to? Maybe that'll be our Beauty fault. dubs. <laughs> that's that's what I wrote. Full idea. Where does Billy go when the cryptonomica is closed? <laughs> I think that should be what it's we pull a, out this time. I think now we have to. So she is. She's led straight to exactly what we were just saying. This is exactly where the abomination wants her to go. It wants her to come to the cryptonomica, go to that back room, mm-hmm. and see, well, one, that Ned is telling the truth a lot about all these fun <laughs> things he's stolen. <laughs> I like the idea of her going in there and being like, oh, he, he wasn't lying. He oh, really shit. did know George Clooney. Like, oh, dope as hell. Look at that. Holy crap. She pulls her little camera back out, takes another picture. <laughs> Barkley's going to love this. <laughs> but uh, also, but, yeah. we find Thacker slash Mama's computer, which had <gasps> gone missing. When did that get picked when up? When did that get We see Shade Tree, of uh-huh. course. And, of course, Le Piste de Resistance, I love the it. Flame Bright Pendant, just hanging on a coat, a coat rack, a coat hook, a yeah. coat tree. Yeah. Coat tree. Next to a 007 suit. Right. Yeah, this, this whole scene has been art directed by the creature within an inch of its life. Absolutely. Right? Oh my God. All of this is yes. wildly deliberate. So the only light in the room is from the screen on Thacker's laptop Mm -hmm. to make sure that she sees it, that she knows that it's Thacker's laptop to make Uh sure that she sees the sculpture, which of course at that point she wouldn't really know what it was, but I guess we'll find out Mm -hmm. later. Um, And also in addition to the flame bright pendant, which of course is the big, the big twist, the big shocker that's going to throw a wrench in everything, but also an obvious box of fake IDs. Yes. So the monster was like, hang on, let me just pull this out, pull the (laughs) lid off to make sure that you see this. So the the whole thing is like, this is a really elaborate setup. This is a really deliberate setup. Right. Of some very specific things. This monster's power is just that it's a shit stirrer, is what (laughs) I've come to find out. Like, it's just trying to make friends hate each other. (laughs) It's so type A. It definitely seems like a very large portion of its mission is to make sure that the Pine Guard is not uh-huh. is not able to stand united. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is really genius. We keep seeing different facets of why this monster so far is so clever and so dangerous. And 
now we know as we get closer and we learn more and now we're seeing for sure with the reveal of all of this stuff that we know is missing finding all of it in ned's place really shows another level of yes this thing knows exactly what it's doing it wants you Mm -hmm. to not trust ned chicane yeah and it's several steps ahead of any of them which Uh is very dangerous right and speaking of ned he knows something's up now Mm -hmm. and he kind of already knows that he's not gonna find anything good when he goes back to check boyd's hotel room yeah Mm -hmm. which this came up uh i think a lot sooner than i expected it to i like how Mm -hmm. things played out at the bank that it turned him right back around because the way he and boyd parted ways it was like are you when is he gonna find out is he gonna find out from somebody Mm -hmm. else we don't know and we did also have um some really great interaction on our twitter uh lexi heckle brought up this idea of like what happens when boy's body is discovered like Mm -hmm. and she had said you know is that going to link sheriff owens to ned which would also be really like, I could see that now seeing after what just happened with Aubrey, I could see that being a potential thing that the monster would have wanted mm-hmm. to happen. Place more suspicion on Ned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even worse. So, you know, so she she was kind of right on right on the money here with what's now happening and Ned going back and finding Boyd and now us having to deal with this very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, he pro- the monster probably did not kill Boyd there either. So this was also part part of the stage. Uh, yeah, I would think so. I mean, maybe they have to be alive to be cloned. So maybe he pulled Boyd through a rift and stole his memories oh, and then yeah. brought him back and broke his neck. Or maybe that's not actually how it went went down. And, you know, maybe, maybe it was deliberate. Because, I mean, certainly the body being there, regardless of where Boyd was killed, was definitely deliberate. Because Boyd had to have been at uh, this abandoned hotel at some point, um, the Monsters HQ, mm-hmm. um, for the duplication process. So either either he was killed there and brought back or was alive and was brought back. Either way, it was definitely intentional. Like, hang on, I'm going to put this guy back in the hotel room so that someone finds <laughs> the body. Tuck you know this what I into wonder? the closet here and uh, put yeah. the head at this angle. <laughs> Poor Type boy. A. Yeah. Well, the door was open, too. The door to the closet. So that was definitely... I mean, this is extremely staged. This is also mm-hmm. very art-directed. The monster definitely knows what they want people to see and to infer. I'm wondering, mm-hmm. though, now that we're talking about it again, the fact that Boyd is has been killed, and like you said, did he die here? Was he killed there? What if he was moved to the lodge, he was replicated or whatever, his memories were taken... What if somehow he put up a fight mm. and that's what got him killed? Like, what if you don't necessarily get killed if you get copied by this thing? But maybe there was something that happened. Boyd almost yeah. got away. I don't know. Certainly possible. Although that also the, the morgue attendant was killed as well. Mm, you right. But Danny but wasn't. Danny wasn't. So. Right. <laughs> So yeah, that's so like... it may just be who's who's usable alive and who's more useful dead. Maybe the mm-hmm. the question here, and Boyd is more useful dead. Or because... what if it's a really quick? Like, what if Boyd wasn't taken to the lodge? He had to do whatever it was right then. It was a quick mm. fix, and same for the morgue attendant. Certainly possible, yeah, because we don't we don't know the timeline. Yeah, so many questions. What were you gonna say, B? Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite points. Mm-hmm. As Griffin is setting the scene, Griffin is painting us a word picture, as he does. He's so good at it. <laughs> and he says, there's a smell in the air. And I immediately said, yeah, there's a dead body in here. Of course <laughs> there's a smell in the air. <laughs> and then he goes on to explain the smell a little bit better. Because I'm like, yeah, duh. Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. But the smell is, he starts saying it smells like sulfur, which is the smell of the rifts. Yeah. And yeah. then says, no, it actually smells more like burnt steak. Hmm. Like, what's that supposed to mean? Right. Yeah, I wondered about that, too. I I think the sulfur smell has come up several times, so I think it's definitely, Uh we're supposed to remember that detail. So the smell, the smell factors in here somewhere. We're just not sure where yet. Yeah. Also, happy 42420. (laughs) (laughs) OMG, blaze it. Well, it's it's 1220 for me, so I got four hours to get my buds together. Celebrate (laughs) twice. 
God blesses everyone. There was a natural pause there, so you took it. No, it's perfect. I appreciate it. And now there's another smell in the air. What's Wait going on? Wait a minute! On? This monster trying to smoke us out. <laughs> I do. We always have uh, the most fun giggling about things when there's just a dead body in a closet here. <laughs> Oh, good times. Well, admittedly, they did roll immediately into the manager showing up at the door and Ned's go-to lie being, hang on, I vomited all over oh the room, God. don't come in. <laughs> Ned mimicking Which is great. his dead British friend by saying, yeah, there's just puke everywhere. Also, I can't go I can't, to the door. Wh- also, I appreciated that Ned did not want to give him $35. Yeah. And the boys are like, you know, money is not a mechanic in here. It doesn't matter. But for Ned as a character, uh-huh. it definitely matters. Yeah. Yes. So I love the way Clint played that. <laughs> Taco was a character who would say money is no object and believe himself, but also total fucking lie. Whereas Ned is a person who will admit <laughs> right up front Money is hugely an object. Don't take my money. Mm-hmm. He's got a business. I of mean, course. you know, being an independent business owner, you think about this a lot more. Of He's course. got a floundering business, too. Like, <gasps> indeed. It was not doing so hot until. Until the, he uh... went on TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, look who's on TV now. It's Ned Chicane. Oh. <laughs> Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> doppelgangers on TV. You look up, you're like, oh, God. Oh, jeez. I did appreciate that his response was, I look terrible. <laughs> That's what I would do, too. Like, God, what is that hair? What is she doing? Is that what I look like? Is that what my voice sounds like? Oh, no. <laughs> but this also goes back to the just, oh, exquisite planning this monster mm-hmm. has done. Yes. He knew he knew every step these people were going to do. He knew Ned was yeah. going to come back. He left the TV on he left that knowing TV Ned there. was going to come back uh-huh. and knowing roughly the time frame and then aha uh-huh, here I am as yeah. you telling everybody well, get your pitchforks, get your guns. We're going monster hunting tonight. And this this does raise an interesting question of what we were talking about earlier of whether or not everyone who was at that meeting with the sheriff mm-hmm. was actually themselves because mm-hmm. this tracks unusually tight to what Ned was saying of what if I went on TV and told people yes. and Aubrey saying, well, that's not going to work and that that's in fact exactly what happens. And certainly the monster could have concluded that that was the way to handle it independent of having been privy to that conversation, but it sure seems like maybe they were. I really like the idea that they were a part of that group. Yeah. I feel like they but have to be. But yeah, is it who was it? Is it Hollis? You know who it's not is my sweet Barclay. <laughs> He's the only innocent soul here. Uh-huh. And Jake Kulais. Uh-huh. I say I've got my little heart picture of them up on my murder board. Mm-hmm. It says just never touch them. <laughs> just the heart frames. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of everybody in the meeting, mm, obviously it's, hard to say. it's so hard to say. I'm still... Leaning toward Mama. Yeah. Especially because we know for sure this laptop is now in Ned's back room. And she sent Ned specifically for the laptop that she herself yeah. to go get. I will. I can't right. get off of that. Mm-hmm. It does seem like a setup. It seems like part of the setup. Because yep. otherwise, because that's, that's just another thing pushing in the direction of believability that Ned was the one who took the laptop. Because, I yes. mean, it could have just shown up and they could have concluded that from the other evidence. But it, it's more believable if they know that he was the last one who allegedly saw it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that sure seems like a setup. And then, yeah, suddenly disappeared. Spooky. Mama. Oh, the other thing, I kind of, and I was thinking about this as they were sitting in the group, was anyone acting sickly? Ooh. Because we had Boyd. Uh-huh. Pull out, reimagine this, everybody. Pulling out a wad of from your mouth and flicking it to the ground. Yeah. And now we've got on TV, live and in action, Ned coughing. Not Ned. Not Ned coughing something into his hand and then hiding it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is super gross. Don't do that. It's called a handkerchief. And of that group of people, the one who tends to be on the more sickly basis now and again is mama. And I know it's because she was off on the mission, but yeah, she was off on that mission. Nobody knows what happened. Hmm. She came back hurt and needing to go to the hospital. I don't know. I think that all kind of falls in line here. Yeah. 
But it could also be a giant red herring. Exactly. (laughs) I don't trust Griffin as far as I can throw him. Hell no. (laughs) I'm a pretty strong girl, though. And he he seems like a slight man. I think I could give him a good feed. I bet you you could give him a good hug. Yeah. (laughs) If I hold his arm and his leg and spin around a few times. That's what I was picturing. Brittany, please don't throw Griffin McElroy. Brittany, will you please put Griffin down? I can't promise anything. If we do end up at an airport together, it could happen. An airport? Only with his consent. We just really, we're just trying to figure out. If the flights cancel or something, you're just gonna you're just gonna chuck him the whole we way to Austin. Is that the, the plan? So the somehow is really where I'm like, oh, an interesting setting. I was thinking like the beach, a nice soft <laughs> landing. Oh no, there's too much stuff to do with the beach. There's nothing to do with the airport. You just have chucking contests. <laughs> see see how far this one goes. Listen, let's finish this episode and then we can continue to theorize on how far we all think we could throw each other. <laughs> I will say this this last moment, having Ned be the one to spill the tea, full on voiced by Clint, was so mm-hmm. genius and nefarious. Like this was yeah. the perfect way to end this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very, very dramatic. Yes. I, I can only imagine that Griffin sent him the script, mm-hmm. what he wanted oh, him for to sure. Say. Yeah. And it just highlights how talented Clint is. Yeah, at his right. previous job, at his current job, in that, like, it seemed very seamless. It seemed like something he could have come up with off the, off the top of his head. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was played perfectly to be super creepy, super effective. I think I think they're going to get a big old, a big old fun mob showing up there, so. Yeah, so that's actually my question. If you guys were watching late night television <laughs> and Sven Cooley was like, hey, guys, <laughs> I just want you to know monsters are real. Can you come meet me at the Bean? Because it's actually a gate to another dimension. And also bring, like, I don't know, a baseball bat with some barbed wire on it or something because we're going to kill some monsters. Would you go? I have such deja vu. I mean, Did it, we already ask this question? <laughs> if Spanguli told me yes. And I live in Chicago. Absolutely. Like, guys, we can get on the red line and be down there in, like, 20 minutes. Let's go. Even if to I, just see what happens. That's where it's at. Maybe not yeah, to fight yeah. the fight, but be like, is this shit for real? Let's go. Yeah, I, maybe people think it's an ARG or something. Tram ride. Yeah. I think it depends on what else has been happening. Because, like yeah. Clint said, he was very much like, all these weird things have been happening. So if you were a person in Kepler or in Chicago who was like, yeah, I did see something strange out mm-hmm. in an alley the other day. I did have this weird thing happen. You know, it's mm-hmm. if you were a person who had been experiencing seemingly supernatural things and you had nothing yeah. better to do that night, then yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, somebody was somebody was like the postmates for uh, for <laughs> Mothman to get him his eggnog, so uh-huh. you know, maybe they saw something <laughs> they shouldn't have. We don't know. It's just something weird about that That's... sort of old Definitely handsome, too. <laughs> Here's an off-air uh, question that I might cut. Was Intrude also a person who could only go so far from the gate? Or is that just Billy? Uh, No, Intrude also. Any, okay. Anyone from Sylvain. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. Okay, thank so, you. So, who knows where Intrude's at, but not very far. Skulking around. Uh, hopefully he was watching TV and he knows to f- just hide. <laughs> Don't. Keep those glasses on. Climb a tree. He wouldn't have to be watching TV. He can see the future. Ah, oh god, true. he knows. Indrid, what do you know? Maybe he's going to show up and help us. Dear Indrid, I know you can hear my <laughs> thoughts. Come help <laughs> us, please. Oh, uh, so before we finish, uh, we did want to shout out the theory some of you have been sharing with us on Twitter. Uh, we could spend an entire episode, I think, just talking about the things all of us are coming up with. And maybe we will. Uh, but for now, we encourage you to check them out and join the conversation. Yeah, uh, we mentioned Lexi's theory earlier in the episode, Mm -hmm. and Melody has, like, five, and they are so mind-exploding. I need a few days to ruminate on them to really, like, (laughs) kind of dig into the meat of it. They're so good. They're wild. And I personally enjoy being wrong almost as much as I enjoy being right, so (laughs) I love reading them, too, so please share them. Yes, absolutely. And I think with that, we're at the end here. Is there anything we forgot to mention that we want to bring up now? I have one. Ooh, I don't think I do. Yeah, I think I don't I don't either. Then I'll take it. It's just a quick one. 
that uh, hiding like a chicken shit is also the weapon I use <laughs> when I play scary games. And so I appreciated that Duck was going to use that should he encounter a bear. <laughs> it's, a, it's an effective weapon. And I enjoyed the movie Cliffhanger, so I liked those jokes <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> now I want a character named Clifford Hanger. Do it. <laughs> Please and thank you. And that means it's uh it's now time to tend to our polls. And so, okay, last week we wanted to know so much. One, which DVD from our provided list of classics would you bring to Vincent's? And um this time, Home Alone 2 just barely beat out Back to the Future 2. So oh, interesting. <laughs> That's what we're bringing to Vincent. Uh, And then we also asked uh, where you could be found after wordlessly ditching your friends. And most of you would be found using that party god power-up talking to the cat. (laughs) That tracks. (laughs) Right? That that seems fitting. There were quite a few uh, votes in all of the categories except for in a rift in (laughs) space-time. Nobody's going to be lost there. I don't think anyone wants to own up. Mm. That's what I think this is. Like, they don't like, I don't want them to know I have these powers. I guess you would be admitting something. Yeah. Look at my eyes on you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we mentioned it earlier in the episode. So now we're asking. This week we're wondering, where does Billy go when the Cryptonomica is closed? That poll will be up over on our Twitter, at Romancing Zone. And we will meet you back here in two weeks. Till then, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. And we've been Romancing the Zone.